Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast, where our goal is to equip you with the tools you need to ditch the prayer guilt, grow in your relationship with God, and pray like you and nobody else. Stay tuned for our latest episode after this quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I am really excited to be here today with Rachel Grohl. Rachel is an author, pastor, wife, mother, missionary, and host of the She Hears podcast. So she does pretty much everything. (laughs) Today, we get to sit down and talk about her newest six-week Bible study through the book of John that I'm really excited to dig into called She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. Rachel, thank you for being here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to always talk about these topics that are so important to women. Yeah. Well, before we get into our topic, um, we always like to ask our guests what your favorite prayer closet is. Where do you like to go to feel close to God? You know, I saw that you uh, had that as a question. And honestly, um, it's this sounds like a bad a bad answer that I don't really have a prayer closet because I um, am always in a lot of different places and I just feel like I want to have the, the ability to go to war if I need to at, at any place that I'm at. So um, during the school year, that might look like my living room floor um, in the summertime when my kids are home, that might be this rock out of the back of our woods um, or might be walking up and down our road where I can get alone. If I'm on the mission field, it might be my bedroom or the shower. It just kind of just depends on where I'm at. And um, I think that does reveal a little bit about my relationship with God. And and I was actually talking about this with my daughter last night. Sometimes those moments, those prayer closet moments, I don't even say amen. I just kind of hold those prayers open in my heart, Uh, especially when I'm going through something heavy. I, I want to remain in God's presence because that's kind of what fuels me to get through it. And so there's been a lot of times where I've really been intentional about something we've been battling in prayer. And um, I kind of just hold my heart open. And uh, that might not be the answer that you're looking for, because I don't have a specific prayer closet. But I definitely understand the dynamics of spiritual battle and how we have to attack things in prayer. And so for me, I just want to live in that place, especially when I'm really struggling with something. Oh, that's a great answer. I I'm just looking for a conversation starter. And so I love it. I love to hear all the different answers, but what I love the most about what you said was the idea of the, like the dot, dot, dot prayers, the non amen prayers. Cause I know exactly what you mean of you just don't, it's, it's not an amen. Cause it's still, you're in the thick of it. You're like, okay, just hang on. Don't leave. <laughs> Stick with me. Not that God isn't always with us, but that is so good. And, and I love that you just kind of pray anywhere and that you carry your prayer closet with you. It reminds me of, I think it was John Wesley's mother who 
had a, an apron like the story goes that she had an apron she would put over her head she had tons of kids and they all knew that when her apron was over her head that she was praying and mm. that was like her prayer closet you know when you've got 10 kids running around I don't know how many she actually had but when you've got a lot of kids running around and you're constantly being pulled in different directions sometimes you need to just take your prayer closet with you and that's exactly what you're talking about. And I love that. I think that's so good. And that's kind of how God wants to meet us is wherever we are. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to meet us in the middle of our mess for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, last week or the week before I was in the Dominican Republic, it was our first post pandemic uh, mission trip. And uh, there was an incident on the beach where uh, uh, two women actually, they thought were getting swept out to sea. And it ended up that that's not what was happening. It was just miscommunication. But in that moment, um, my prayer closet looked like me running along the shore, just praying over them as the boat was headed out to, to find them. And uh, I think that has developed in me this response of prayer where I don't feel like I have to go to a certain place or act a certain way. I can just respond in prayer in those moments of need. And uh, I try to teach that to my children and to the people that I work with, because um, I think ultimately that's the whole foundation of, of my ministry. I want people to know like exactly what you said, God doesn't go anywhere. He's always with us. He longs to meet us in the middle of our mess. And so whether that's in the middle of the kitchen or running down the beach or, you know, taking a walk down the yard or in a literal closet in your bedroom, um, his presence is always there regardless if we feel it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, one of the first things I noticed about your book is, and again, this is She Hears Learning to Listen to Jesus, and it's this six-week Bible study through the book of John. And one of the first things I noticed as I was looking through your book is your dedication page. And you mentioned, I was going to copy and paste, but I couldn't just so that I had the wording, but you basically mentioned that there was a time when you allowed the past to disqualify you from God's calling on your life. What, what was that about? And, and what does that look like for you? And kind of was that, did that play a key part in writing this book? Yeah, well, there's a lot that kind of went into that. I, um, I think there's two elements at play there. I am a, a kid that came from a, a broken home and um, by broken, I didn't have like divorced parents. I just had a lot of brokenness within the home. There's a lot of abuse and um, just really unhealthy environment. And when you grow up in a situation like that, or in a scenario like that, there's always an insecurity that kind of follows you around, regardless of, you know, how many degrees you might have, or what kind of home you create, or um, how far you get in your career, or whatever it is, there's always an insecurity, I feel like that the enemy tries to, you know, play when you're trying to, especially when you're trying to follow God's leading in your life. And then also, I recognize, especially when I was in a season of leadership that was different than anything I'd ever seen before. There was not a lot of strong female leaders as far as uh, ministry kind of leadership in my world anyway. And at the time, other than like famous people, there was no like real life people that I could kind of look to as a mentor or anything. And so because of that, I just, I didn't have a good example. And so I would allow um, a lot of the men in my life to kind of dictate 
what my leadership skills were or what, what value I brought to the table instead of allowing God to dictate that. And so essentially this Bible study started as a result of some own, my own insecurities that I had. And I had written another book prior to this uh, that gave me the opportunity to speak at a lot of different conferences and things around the country. And what I learned is regardless if I was on the mission field and talking to women in Africa, or if I was in Dallas talking to women at a conference, a lot of these same insecurities were very common to a lot of women. And it was just this questioning of them thinking that God is leading them in something or, or, or putting something on their heart. And then this insecurity that they had of not really knowing, is this really God or is this me or is this my own emotions or even the tables that they were sitting at not getting supported because surely it couldn't be a woman that had this idea or this, um, this idea for ministry or, or whatever it was. And so initially it started off as this process of not just for me, but for the women I was interacting with, like I wanted to be able to answer them and, and from a place of really knowing, knowing what the scripture said, knowing what Jesus had to say. So I could be confident in my answer and not just saying what I think, you know, based off of God's nature and character, but what I knew to be true for the scriptures. And so initially this started off as just this uh, quest to see what is, what is the lens like, I always think that we need to read scripture and we need to live our lives through the lens of what Jesus says and does. And so what is the lens that I'm looking through? Is it, is it through this lens of the men in my life? Is it through the circumstances or is it through the lens of Jesus? And so essentially I borrow the words of John Bevere when I say I was just the first one to read this book. That's really where this started. And through that process, realized that this was a message that uh, it w- I couldn't keep it to myself. Other women needed to hear it. I love that. And, you know, I think when you talked about insecurity and just, you know, I, I just think that that is as women, especially, I don't know for men, because I'm not a man, but for women, especially I see it is regardless of, I know there's a, a certain kind of insecurity when you come from brokenness and there are other kinds of insecurity that come from all different parts of our lives. And I feel like the enemy has a special hold on us there. And I know for me, he does. It's, I live my life battling insecurity and, um, you know, unworthiness or questioning it, just focusing on the things that aren't there rather than the things that are. And, um, it's just, it's tough it's tough as women. So I love that. I love that you look at kind of battling insecurities from the, the perspective of God speaks to you and he calls you and what better thing is there than that? You know, what, what greater honor is it? What greater or higher position is there than to be a daughter of the King? And that, that is so powerful. So I really, I love that aspect of your message. Um, yeah, and I think even going beyond that one step further is confidence. It's yeah. it's not just battling insecurity, but it's right, being which is confident. putting us on the defensive. Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. the defensive stance. Yeah. Um, I think so. Your ministry, your podcast, your book is titled "She Hears," and I think a big, often neglected part of our relationship with God and our conversation with God is this reciprocal hearing from God. We, you know, do a lot of praying. And I know for me, I talk way too much and listen far too little. 
but it can be tricky. And like you said, there's this question of, did I hear from God? Did I, is this my own desires? Is it selfish motives? Is it okay to strive for something or to have a, a like a heart's desire and to, to want that? Or is that selfish? You know, all of these questions we have is it, is it you know, Alana and I had a, an episode called, is it me, God, or the devil talking? You know, what it, so what would you say? What do you have to, to speak into that question of how do we hear from God and how do we know it's God? Well, what I always say, and, and this sounds like a trite answer, but it's the real honest to goodness truth. The primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. But so, mo- so many of us are, for lack of better terms, biblically illiterate, yeah. and we will read Um, you know, maybe some verses here or verses there, but we read them out of context or we don't understand the, the, the history or the culture or the original audience. And so the thing about God's word is it reveals his character and his nature to us. Mm -hmm. And so the more time we spend in the, his word, the more we understand his character and his nature, and he's never going to say something to us that is outside of his character and his nature. And so the measuring stick that we use when we sense that we're hearing from the Lord is God's word. But if we're not reading God's word, we're going to have a really hard time deciphering that. And so the foundational aspect of the Bible study, yes, it's a Bible study walking through the book of John, but beyond that, it teaches the color method of Bible study, which is a very simple tool to just help women understand and comprehend what they're reading. And, and so many times um, we want to go through our Bible reading plan so we can check off the box and feel like, okay, we did our Bible reading for the day, maybe without remembering what we just read or understanding its relevance for our lives. And then we move on the next day to the next chapter. And my philosophy on that is stay put until you understand what God is saying and how that reveals his character and his nature, because then that reveals the way that he still operates. Cause we know he's the same yesterday, today, today, tomorrow, that aspect does not change. And so the more we learn about who he is, the more we can start to decipher those things in our, in our everyday lives. And then his voice starts to sound familiar. The way he speaks in the scriptures is the same way he speaks to our heart. And a lot of times after we've been meditating on God's word, that's what God uses to speak to us in our everyday lives outside of those times that we're doing intentional Bible study. And one of the things that I have really been Uh, intentional about lately is meditating on God's word. And so like with the color method of study, we will study the same passage of scripture and you're reading it, you know, probably five, five, six times, just by reading that passage five, six times, as you're looking through different, uh, for different aspects of, of, um, you know, maybe the action or, uh, where you're seeing the Holy spirit work or, you know, any kind of intentional reading like that, the more you read it, the more you understand it. And so, um, my, preference would be that women would stay put until we hear from God within that word. And then outside of that, like I said, um, it gets a little bit easier. And I, I usually say it's like, well, this is probably for your older listeners, not the younger ones, but it's like tuning in on a radio where, you know, in the old days, we would have to like turn the knob a little bit to the left or to the right to get closer to the radio station. And the closer you got to the station, the clearer the words would become. And the farther away you got from the station, the fuzzier it would become. And so um, what I had learned very on very early on in my life is that 
in those moments where I felt like God was showing me something or calling me to something when I was obedient, it was almost like turning that radio dial a little bit closer to the station. It got easier to understand. And if I was disobedient, it got a little bit fuzzier. It got a little bit harder to understand. So um, what I learned over time is the more obedient I was to God's word and to God's voice in my life, the easier it began to be to recognize him next time. That is so good. And I love that you bring it back to scripture because it's not a trite answer at all. It's so important. And I think in some, I don't know, some popular traditions of praying, or I don't know what you would even call it, maybe just some, so it, it can possibly be tempting to want to skip the step of taking time to get to know God and just jump right into prayer and and for the sake of looking or sounding like this great prayer warrior by using the right words or you know trying to bend the will of God and proving yes I prayed this and this happened and that was you know it puts it's me focused and I mean I've fallen into that uh, into that trap before of being like wow I prayed and this happened it it you know I mean it's very easy to shift the glory from God to self I mean that's yeah. our human nature and it's yeah. sad, but true. And so to get to know God and to shift that focus back to the relationship of prayer, which is what it is, it's, it's not a vending machine. It's not a, you know, he's not a, a giant Santa in the sky. It's not a transaction. It's this relationship. And, you know, I think of, of my mom who's passed long ago and, I know what she would say because I know her so well. And she spoke yeah. to me for so long. And when it's like that with God, you know, that when you know him so well, even if that specific thing isn't addressed in scripture, you know what he would say, you know, what he yeah. would direct you to and what the Holy spirit is directing you to, as long as it aligns with that, then, then it's this really beautiful uh, blueprint, you know, that we can follow and use. Um, and it's such a gift. So can you expound a little bit on the, the color method of Bible study for those who aren't familiar with it? We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor, and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. Yeah, the, the color method is really a tool to help women 
continue to study God's word way beyond the end of the Bible study. And so really wanted, what I wanted was a way to, yes, walk through these different women in scripture, but also to help women understand that they can take these same principles and apply them to any passage of scripture. And so the color method is a very simple way to just take your attention to specific things in scripture. So um, for example, you might be taking the color green and you can use whatever colors you want. These are just the ones that I have in the book. You might take the color green and highlight all the names in this particular passage. So you can see who is this scripture talking about? Are we talking about disciples here or, you know, who, who are the main characters that are at, at play in this narrative? And, um, or is it simply about God and we're highlighting different names of God and who is God calling him? What is he calling himself in this passage? And then the second time that you read it, it might be looking for timing words. What time of day was it? What, how, how much time has passed between, you know, what, sometimes we will look at a passage and 20 years goes by in between two sentences and we skip that because we're just not paying attention or, um, have they been there all day? Is this something that's happening in a matter of minutes or a matter of days or weeks? What's going on here? Or even things like, um, like in blue, I always highlight any moves of the spirit. Like what are the supernatural things that only God's spirit can do? Um, and yes, that might be like angels or something like that, but it might, a lot of times it's God spoke this or, you know, all the different times in scripture, we see God acting supernaturally. And sometimes we skip over that because we're, it's a familiar story, or we're trying to get through the, our Bible reading for the day and paying attention to the work that only the spirit can do both in us as humans or just, you know, supernatural naturally with nature or, or whatever it is. So starting to pay attention to those things, because what that ends up doing, especially with the one about the spirit, you know, say you're talking about uh, Jesus calming the storm and you see that God is con has control over the weather or, um, you know, they have peace in the middle of a terrible circumstance. You start to understand the working of the spirit in your own life based on the way the spirit works in scriptures. And it's, it's kind of the same thing that I was alluding to before. He, he acts in line with his character and his nature. And so when we start paying attention, we can start to understand the different ways that he's working. So the color method, just simply, I simplified it to five colors. Some people do up to 10 or even more. Uh, you can pick whatever colors work for you. But I just did it as a really easy, basic guide because there were so many women that I would know that would say to me, you know, I'll read my scripture, but I have no idea what it's even talking about or what it has to do with me right now. Mm -hmm. But if they take the time to go through the, this method, um, you know, red might be the or pink, I guess, would be the the action words. Were they running? Were they talking? Were they were they praying? How were they acting and interacting? And so, what that starts to do is it helps us to see things that we didn't see when we just read it one time quickly through. And just that process of um, starting to understand what it's saying is so valuable. And when it comes to understanding the the similarities between how God was acting then and how He acts now in our own lives. That is really good because I mean, I've been there too, where I'm, I read a passage and I'm just like, what do you, you know, just reading it blind. Sometimes it, it is kind of hard to, to pull out the relevance. Some are easier than others. And, and that method would be great to be able to kind of isolate different aspects of the passage and kind of see what pops out and, you know, how God is making it relevant. That's really good.
Well, you have, so there are six women in this study and I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how you chose those six and which of those six was your favorite to write about and study? Um, well, you know, I, at different times in my life have identified with all six for different reasons and different stages. And so, um, I, I don't know that I could pick a favorite. Um, but what I will say is the one I grew the most with was Mary. Um, because I don't know if you follow like the Enneagram and different people have different thoughts about the Enneagram, but like, I, like I tend to have a lot of Enneagram eight characteristics. If you, if you follow the Enneagram at all, um, just being, uh, a, a strong leader, but stubborn and, um, you know, trying to forge myself, my plan and my agenda and all those kinds of things. And so Mary was difficult for me to write because I saw so much of myself in her, but yet the tenderness with, with how Jesus dealt with her is very similar to the tenderness that he deals with me. And um, I just love the different aspects of the redeeming nature of how that relationship um, just brings her personality into perspective. And, you know, one of the things that we do I I do throughout the Bible study is I bring in a lot of the historical and cultural aspects that we sometimes overlook. And so for Mary, you know, as the owner of her home and because of the religious custom of the time, if you had a rabbi in, in your house, part of the religious custom would be this aspect of hospitality. And so her duty, it was not just a household duty, but she felt it was a religious duty to care for him being in her home and to, to receive him well. And I think even in ministry, um, I have sometimes got so caught up with the things that I'm, I'm supposed to be doing for the sake of ministry that I overlook the relationship with Jesus because of all these things I'm supposed to be doing that I'm responsible for in. And it's not a lack of like, if you look at her intentions and her desire, her desire, the reason why she would want to be upright in her religious requirements of the time is because her intention is to be in good relationship with God. It's not this desire to just be, you know, cranky and have a a clean house or have the, 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 the meal prepped, but it's really okay. She wants to receive him well. And I think I have done that myself in my effort to receive Jesus well, or to receive the people that he gives me stewardship over or the job that he's given me to do in an effort to do a good job for him. I sometimes overlook him. And that to me just spoke so clearly. And this whole idea that, that we are not loved for what we do. We are loved for who we are. Mm. And, and sometimes I think as women, we can confuse those two messages. I loved, I, I totally relate to that first of all. And then I really loved what you said there about our intentions can be good because I think, I feel like sometimes when I don't do the right thing, I just kind of, I don't know, I get down on myself like, well, well, you have the wrong focus, but it's very possible to have the right focus and, and choose the wrong thing. And that's okay too. You know, it's, it's okay to acknowledge that and to take that and not wallow in it, but just move forward with it and recognize it and give yourself that, um, I don't know that, okay. That affirmation of, okay, look, you had the intention, right? You love God. You want to do the right thing now execute it in a better way this time. And I think that's really, that's helpful for me. 
and very powerful. But yeah, I, I totally get that of getting caught up in the doing and missing the relationship and missing the point or missing what what is success in God's eyes versus what is success in my eyes and, and making sure that we stay on that path. Which And so you actually have, so can you tell us the five women or the six women that you feature? You have actually three Marys in here. Yeah. Um, so we start off with Mary, mother of Jesus. And um, that relationship is the first female relationship we see in scripture with Jesus. So I felt like it was really important to highlight that. And sometimes um, we don't give her very much study time. Like we just think of her in terms of the Christmas story or, um, you know, a lot of times we're, I, I, at least in, in my past, I had not spent a lot of time studying her. So just understanding this dynamic as a mom, like what it means to be a mom, but then the dynamic between the two of them and their relationship and how she had to surrender some of her authority over him as his mom to as he became you know as he kind of stepped into public ministry there was a transition in their relationship and I felt like we kind of overlooked that sometimes so we start off with his mom um you know what I don't even have the book in front of me I don't know what order they're in um we spend some time with the Samaritan woman mm -hmm. um because the Samaritan woman's story I think so many of us relate to because she has such a passive brokenness and yet we still see Jesus uh not just not just dialogue, dialoguing with her, but being very intentional about seeking her out. And the longest recorded conversation we have in scripture is with the Samaritan woman. And I don't, yeah, and I don't think we realize that we don't talk about that. Um, but to me, that's significant. And because I'm a talker, I love that. <laughs> like, I just, I love that aspect. Like, okay, Jesus knows the way that we are. He created us. He, he understands our hearts. And um, even in the middle of our brokenness, we can still be used um, to, to, to minister to our circle of influence. And, um, you know, the thing about the Samaritan woman is I, one aspect I love about her story is that authentic interaction with Jesus is what changed her and sent her back into town to, to declare, um, you know, his presence, but the disciples had been down in town all day and, and, they did not drive people back to Jesus. When they came back, they came back alone. It was the woman's interaction with Jesus. And as she starts sharing her story, that's what drove people to Jesus. And so I always share with people, like you have a, a certain kind of power within your circle of influence to share the gospel in a way that other people cannot. And your influence over them is powerful because God can use that in a way that he cannot use just a random preacher on TV or, or whatever. Like it's that power of the story of your own personal testimony because people know you. And so you have influence that other people don't have. So I love that aspect. Um, we talk about Mary of Bethany and of course, Mary and Martha are written almost like two parts. Um, but the thing I love about their story is we're not necessarily looking at what we know to be like the real familiar story of the two sisters dynamic, even though I just mentioned it. We actually look at the Lazarus story and we look at um, the, the way that they are handling their grief and their sorrow and the different dynamics of their relationship. And for me, that was really important because I think 
sometimes as women, we don't understand um, the way that Jesus longs to meet us, even in those broken moments of sorrow and grief. And um, grief comes in a lot of different shapes and forms. It's not just death. I feel like there's a lot of uh, grieving we do as women for different stages of relationships, those kinds of things. And so that was really important for me to cover. Um, And then Mary Magdalene. Um, Mary Magdalene's story at the end of um the time where well basically at the resurrection and then the the powerful witness that she has the testimony that she has in a time where the testimony of women were not regarded like it wasn't it wouldn't even hold up in court like a a legal testimony did not exist for women but yet uh jesus chose a woman to to share the news of his resurrection um to me that's just such a powerful example of how Jesus values the voice of women. And um, who am I missing? Uh, the woman of forgiveness. Oh, yeah. The woman of, yeah. We, most people know her as the woman caught in adultery, but I chose to call her the the woman of forgiveness because um, I don't think any of us like being identified by our sin. And especially when we've had an interaction with Jesus and the world continues to identify us by our past or our brokenness or our poor choices. And instead that's this whole chapter that deals with identity and who Jesus says we are versus who the world says we are. And so um, I tried to hit on these different aspects of identity for all of the women. And um, as you go through it, you kind of see this natural project um, progression of us understanding not just who we are in Christ, but the way that he can both redeem and restore the things that were in our past that may have, the enemy may have used to disqualify us from the things that God wants to do for us in our future. Yeah. And even like, I just see this, he's such a redeemer and not just a redeemer of, okay, I'll make it so that, so that that doesn't count against you but it's, I'm going to take this thing that should, and and you feel like counts against you in certain ways in the world's eyes. And I'm going to use it to make you even more effective than someone who didn't have this in their life. I mean, the woman at the well, you know, I, I had never thought about that, that the disciples had been there the whole day. And yet when she went, she, she, her story changed yeah. their hearts. And it was partly because of who she was and, yeah. and who she was, was not reputable. And it, and, and it's just incredible how God does that. And so I'm just so glad that you bring that part of your story and your journey into this whole thing, because we all have those things. And I think it's just, uh, I think the enemy just holds us so captive by those things. And when we can just realize that if we just open our hands up, like how God can not only restore us, but like use those things to launch us into greater things than if we had never had those as parts of our lives. And yeah, um, yeah that's, yeah. You know, one thing that I've been really, that's really been on my heart lately. And what I've been sharing with women when I um, teach or speak is that there's nothing wasted in the kingdom. Yeah. God doesn't waste things. And so it's not just about restoration. He's not just redeeming things, but I firmly believe that greater things have yet to come. You know, we are in a season where 
you know, we've had for the better part of three years, a lot of lost time when it comes to the sake of the gospel, but that is not um, a surprise to God. And if anything, I feel like waiting time is training time and he's not just redeeming lost time, but greater things have yet to come. And that includes for us and our own lives and our own uh, redemption story as it continues to, to unfold, that it's not just about things redeeming the things of our past, but it's about using those t- things to advance the kingdom because he wastes nothing. Well, that is, that is like, if there's not, uh, there's not a better message out there. I don't think, I think that's just such good news and something that I think, I know it speaks to me. So I know it's, it's going to speak to a lot of women. Well, um, is there anything else that you want women to know about the message of this book or just of, of what's on your heart? Like, do you have any, any closing words or anything that we didn't touch on that you want women to know? You know, my sense is that, um, and at least my prayer is that moving forward, I really, really pray. And what I would love to see is this generation of women that are not just not insecure, but that are confident in their Mm -hmm. gifts, in their skills, in their calling, in their abilities, because the advancement of the kingdom is so imperative in this season that we're in. And we have such um, opposition spiritually right now. Like there is such, such spiritual warfare going on in our world. And while we might see some measures of success, then there's also this backside of, of, of failures in other ways in our culture. And so um, I just dream about what it would look like if not just women were available and ready to be used, but they were confident and they were growing and they were using their gifts Um, because the insecurity we feel like we started off talking about, that's not from God. That insecurity is, is one of the tools that the enemy uses. And we can see from this Bible study, he's been using these tactics for quite a long time. It's, it's one of the tools that he uses to keep women from stepping into their God given and God ordained and God appointed roles. And so my prayer really is that, um, the book and and even just the scriptures would start revealing to women all the ways that the, the enemy has tried to keep us from from walking in that authority. And then that identity um, would would produce a shift in us that we would walk in authority instead of insecurity. Oh, I love that. Well, that's my prayer too. I, I think that this book is absolutely going to empower women for that purpose. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for speaking out about it and for sharing your heart on it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to share a little bit today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, where can our listeners find you? You are on social media, your podcast, your books, where can we find you? Yeah. The podcast actually went through a name change. The podcast is now called hearing Jesus Okay. because um, the book is called she hears and my website is, is she hears.org and I'm she hears on all the socials, but um, I really wanted to make sure that the podcast 
it's not just about hearing my voice. It's about helping women to hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the focus right now. We're doing a spiritual discipline series. Uh, Next week, we're talking a little bit about um, post-pandemic mission trips, because now that travel is starting to open back up, um, I did, I just, because I just got back, I thought that would be helpful. So Mm -hmm. we talk about all sorts of things, um, but the goal really is helping women to hear God's voice more clearly. And so that's kind of the foundational aspect of everything that I do. So yeah, shehears.org is the website. Hearing Jesus is the name of the podcast. And um, I'm not incredibly active on all the socials because I would rather put more time into, uh, you know, prayer and uh, writing and podcasting, but I do hang out on there occasionally. So I'd love to connect. And I always, I answer my own email and I always respond to email. So people can always get a hold of me by email and the links are all on there too. Great. Well, Rachel, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this up in prayer. You know, I um, have a teenage daughter that is going to college in two weeks and she's oh, wow. my first born. Yes. And that is such a transition for our family. So I would love prayer for that, that, um, I, you know, this is something we don't talk a whole lot about, um, holding both joy and sorrow at the same time. I'm incredibly excited and happy for her, but sad for me and for the dynamic of our family. And so that I would covet prayer to just be able to navigate that this new season well, and, um, to be able to still be the mom that she needs, but recognizing, you know, that like we talked with Mary, like releasing some of that authority now that she's kind of stepping into this new age and stage. Oh yeah. I can, I'm, I can relate. I have a, I have an upcoming junior, so it's just right around the corner and I'm already thinking about those things. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be praying. All right. Well, Rachel, thank you for being here. So glad we connected and just, we'll be praying for God's blessing on your ministry and on your family. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Father, we just, Thank you so much for this time. Thanks for your word. Thank you for Rachel just illustrating a new way to study your word and just the importance of getting to know who you are, Uh, just this incremental knowing throughout our lives of who you are so that we can pray more effectively, so that we can just become closer to you in partnership as we navigate life, as we walk in our callings and uncover truth and just try to uncover lies as well and and just get rid of those. We thank you that you give us your word as a guided post and just as a, um, as a, a blueprint for life and as a, an illustration of your character. And, And we just pray that you would help learning to study scripture, become more and more a part of our lives. God, we lift up just women, Christian women to you today, we pray God that you will not only raise up women who are not insecure, but women who are confident and bold in their callings, who are just so secure in their identity as daughters of the King, that they would be just doing incredible things for the kingdom, that they would be unstoppable and that you would just, um, just light a fire uh, in, in the lives of women to serve you and, and just to boldly move forward in, into areas that, that we never thought possible to bring you glory and to further your kingdom. We lift up Rachel to you, God. We just lift up her ministry, her podcast, her writing, um, just everything, her words. Continue to give her clear next steps for what you want her to do. 
we just thank you for her and just for the heart that you've given her to help women to hear you better and, and to understand you better and to just walk in that confidence. We lift up her family and her home, God. We pray for her daughter and we just ask, Lord, that you would bless her in abundance, that you would just, um, I just think, you know, not that you would take her out of the world, but you would protect her from the evil one as she goes forward into this new chapter of life, that you would give her confidence, that you would give her wisdom to make good choices and that you would just continue to be part of her life and that you would make yourself um, the center of her universe as she um, makes new friends, as she pursues goals and, and just continues to see the details of her future unfold. God, we pray that you would call her to the things that you've designed her and equipped her for. And we just thank you that you're, you're just raising her up and, and launching her out. And we pray for Rachel, God, as she deals with that, um, you know, that, that kind of double-edged sword of joy and sorrow and happiness and grief all wrapped up into one. Just help her to walk through this next season of parenthood with, uh, just with joy, with an undercurrent of joy, and just help her to trust you and just to learn how to intercede for her daughter even, even more in this next season of letting go. Um, we just pray your blessing on her and her family and her ministry in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the praying Christian women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to praying slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.